Hey there, NFT Curious listener. Today's episode is one of an incredible series we're sharing from our visit to DecentralCon Miami in Art Basel from November 30th through the first week of December 2021. Keep listening for exclusive access to conversations we had with key leaders in NFT, tech, and culture. These sessions cut right from one hot interview to the next without much chatter in between to give you the feeling of being there and listening in on various key conversations. We'll introduce our guests as they enter. Enjoy. And remember, NFTLA is coming up March 28th to the 30th. It will be an unforgettable experience featuring the creme de la creme in the NFT space. Head on over to nftla.live to get your tickets as early as possible for the best pricing. And if you or someone you know wants to partner with us to co-create this special, unforgettable experience, there are still opportunities to get involved. They're also going fast. So please reach out at contact at edgeofnft.com. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hey, thanks everybody for joining. Jamie, great to see you, man, in from Mexico City. Thank you. And by the way, my last name is Rogozinski. There we go. So Wall Street bets, the rise of retail investing, meme stocks, meme coins, DeFi, NFTs, all this stuff, it all ties back in some way in its DNA to Wall Street bets. Let's talk about the origin story, man. Like, how did the ethos evolve? Actually interesting because the ethos, I'll get, I'll get to that answer, but the ethos of it mirrors that of, of the crypto world, right? It was born around the same time as Bitcoin was. It was post-financial crisis. I created it out of frustration. I personally lost my job to the financial crisis and I was left unemployed for a while. Then eventually I got a job and I decided, you know, it was a very well-paying job. I had a lot of extra disposable income. I could afford the risk because I was single. I didn't have any kids at the time. Uh, and I would just look and I said, look, I'm going to take the extra money. I'm going to risk it, right? I'm going to hope to make enough money so I don't have to be in that situation again. That's really where the spirit of this thing came. And along the same time, we have the Bitcoin, the crypto revolution starting with its own, hey, the whole centralized system, banks, the fiat currencies and, and government control, you know, let's try and get away from that as well. So both of them kind of started off on the same direction, but different paths to get there. And I can see how now they're starting to merge. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and tell me about the ethos, like the underlying support for the little guy and helping him to come up and rise up and take on these institutions and, uh, and succeed. Wall Street bets starts off with this idea of, hey, these big banks were gambling with the money that they're not supposed to gamble with. The term casino has been used to describe Wall Street as far back as Google lets me search. I've been able to find instances in the early 1900s, right? And they usually talk about that in a derogatory way. Hey, these investment banks, they're being irresponsible, they're gambling. And I decided to embrace that, right? And say, you know what? That's right. Maybe they are gambling and setting up tents outside of Wall Street and occupying, it's not going to do very much good. But perhaps if we're able to actually wear that on our sleeves and show that individuals, not just large institutions, are the ones that can also play with this thing, sometimes irresponsibly, sometimes incredibly educated and intelligent manner, but also embracing a ton of risk, that people everywhere are able to participate too. And right around the same time, you start getting these 
discount brokers, eventually free, right? Like Robinhood. And now they've basically forced all the other brokers. No minimums, instant funding, like these barriers to entry have been going down and down and down. And pretty much anyone's able to participate in the in the financial system of the stock market. This allows people to come together and say, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and, and take risk and brace it. Call Wall Street what it is, a casino, and have some fun with it and hopefully make some money too. And obviously, throughout the years, the community has figured out a lot of ways to outsmart, you know, most notably GameStop this year. But prior to this year, they'd done a lot of really high-profile things that were just as sophisticated. Yeah, amazing stuff and, and tons of fun, to your point, right? Let's fast forward then to present day. We got Wall Street Bets DAP. Tell me about what that is, what the current offering is, and where things are going. For a little bit of context, I do a lot of speaking. I would say half the speaking that I do is to these investment groups. You know, I was just in Vegas in money 2020, Stansbury Research. I spoke at London Stock Exchange, etc. And, and then I speak at a lot of DeFi, crypto, NFT type conferences. When I go to these investor forums and I talk about crypto, I get this response of, oh, okay, so crypto, do you think Bitcoin's going to go up or down, right? Like that's the extent of crypto. And I get frustrated. It's like, no, 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 I made that mistake too. Crypto is not just Bitcoin, I promise. And then God help me if I bring up NFTs. Then when I come to this type of event and I say, hey, I like stocks, right? People look at me and say, what's a stock? Where does it get its value from? And why would anybody pay money for one, right? I get the exact same face. <laughs> like, There's no reason why stocks should exist when you have crypto, right? It's an interesting dichotomy that exists. These two worlds are incredibly powerful. They're incredibly big. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of influence on both. And WSB DAP, the Wall Street Bets DAP, is an effort to try and merge these two worlds together. It's inevitable that it's going to happen. The power of crypto is unfathomable, uh, more specifically DeFi. They've created really sophisticated, intelligent, smart contract-based, trustworthy systems that can do things that normal Wall Street cannot do. You know, anything from the automated market makers to the way that these intelligent ETFs that have like variable leverage components and just real sophisticated stuff, they trade 24 hours a day, which is, I think, one of the most basic things that, that a healthy market needs. But there's also a lot of great things in the stock market, right? Such as they actually, well, so does crypto. But the stock market is still a way for companies to, to grow, raise money, reinvest jobs, goods and services, etc. So putting these two things together. So what we're doing with the WSB DAP is we're doing several things. It's a DAO. So people can buy the token. They become part of the governance. They can, they can vote on, on making these decisions. We're tokenizing stocks, right? So you take the stock, you put it on the blockchain, we pass on the dividend rights, we sorry, the voting rights and the dividends, and you're actually participating in the stock market. We're creating these intelligent ETFs. We're calling them ETPs, right? So you can have these mixes. You can buy an ETP that has a little bit of Tesla, a little bit of GameStop, but also has a little bit of Ethereum, a little bit of Solana, and a little bit of whatever else you want to put in there. I guess NFTs should be on the table as well. Basically, that's the crux of it, right? We're trying to stay ahead of merging these two worlds together. Yeah. So bringing people in originally through Wall Street bets, bringing people in now on the blockchain, doing the same thing, but at a whole other level, it seems game-changing for sure. So let's think about the future then of DeFi and traditional finance. Where does it go from here? How do you see the next several months or, or several years evolving? I don't pretend to be smart enough to what's going to happen in a few years, right? <laughs> like this thing moves so quickly. Just in the time that I came here, I don't know how much I've already missed out by not checking the Twitter. 
But it's clear that these two worlds are going to merge. It's inevitable. Like the last speaker said, it's a train that you can, that's, that's on its way and you can't do anything to stop it. And I think that the, both worlds are going to learn the best of practices. There's still a lot of great things on Wall Street. There's a lot of great things on crypto. And I can see them starting to merge to the point where you don't have to make that distinction of, do you like stocks or do you like crypto? It's, hey, if you're using stocks and or crypto for investing purposes or YOLO or whatever, they're just part of the same thing. It's, hey, I own a little bit of Bitcoin, I own a little bit of Microsoft and a little bit of whatever other type of asset that you want NFTs or like the last panel that was on, they were actually taking physical things and putting them on the blockchain. All that stuff is is fair game. So I can see those two things no longer being different. Yeah, so the merging of traditional, the merging with DeFi, NFTs in play, so many cool things happening. It's amazing the influence you've had on the space so far. And uh, so excited for you to be here sitting next to me talking about this with the crowd. I'm sure a lot of people may have questions for you about your history, about what you're working on and so on. So I think we wanted to open the floor in our limited time here to some questions on the floor and we'll take it from here. Yeah. All right. Who's got questions? Hey, so one of my questions would be, considering that there's a lot of the younger generation that were involved in that experience there, what are some things you think that potentially, I believe the project that you're working on can do to, you know, educate the youth a little bit more on the, you know, investments, including cryptocurrency, stocks and any, everything like that, considering that like, you know, there's a large youth influence that's growing on your platform, essentially. Interesting question. I'm not so convinced necessarily that the youth has to learn a lot because the youth is defining. Look, if you, if you look around what's happening just in this convention center, right, you can see that there is change in the air and you can see that things are different. I'm currently talking with a group of older individuals who are lifetime auctioneers. These guys said, Hey, I've, I've auctioned a total of a billion dollars worth of stuff in my entire life. And I don't understand what this NFT is. It's clear that I need to do something with them. Help me merge these two ideas together. The symbolic point of that is here you have the older, wiser, experienced people saying, Hey, dear young person, teach me how this works. So to some extent, it's not as relevant of passing the knowledge of the previous guard. Because look, stocks... You know, they used to be transported on horseback across Manhattan and it will take two days and somebody has to reconcile the things. And that's why we have two day settlements, which ended up causing the Robin Hood debacle. There's no reason to teach that to someone when, when crypto does instant settlement, like these things are, are archaic and gone. So to some extent, it's, hey, this is here to stay. It's a lot of power and it's going to change. And so I think the young people have to educate the older people as for the bigger brands that want to come in. I see the Louis Vuitton bag over there, et cetera. But... On the other hand, there is something fundamental that is going to transcend these two generations, which is, hey, how can I be wise about my money? That doesn't change, right? Like, how can I store value that I do stuff to generate money, wealth, whatever value? And I want to store some of that so that I can buy bigger stuff or pay for my kids' education or whatever it is that you want to do. And I want to have that these assets work for me. So that fundamental concept's not going away. Making things easy to understand is fundamentally important. Taking away, look, you know, these mortgage-backed securities, these collateralized debt obligations, these are multi-syllabic, complicated words that don't really mean very much, right? Or they do, but you can describe them with a meme. You take your CFA test, it's just jargon. You know these concepts already. You know them with Pepe, you know them with whatever these GIFs or whatever animated JPEGs are. That's not difficult. So if you take that veil of sophistication away, you make it fun, you can embrace the risk, you can embrace 
whatever it might be, and allow people to take control and realize, hey, this is really not that complicated. Like it. Thank you. Hello. So I know that for most of this industry, everything is relatively new. So when it comes to learning and your personal experience, what has been the best way that you have been able to grasp true, accurate information rather than just false information that could be around in the internet? So there's two things that you said. So maybe clarify. One thing you said is learning and the other one you said acquiring information. Okay. Which of those two things are both? I feel like it's both because it's like when you're learning, you're learning from certain information. And it's like whether you're learning from accurate information or from false information. Got that it. Appears okay. To be yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess what I meant by information is like, okay, well, which stock is going to go up type okay. information? All right. So where do you learn and what's the best way to do it? Look, there are some truths out there that are really objective, right? But it's not so clear cut as when something's going to go up in value, you can't just say, well, you can say supply and demand. But once you get done with that one explanation, if you actually say, why did the stocks go up today? Or why did the crypto go up today? And why they went back down? It is not going to be whatever news article you found that day, right? Sometimes, very rarely, that's the case. But more often than not, there's 1 million factors that are affecting whatever is happening. And you can find a lot of competing truths around it. What I recommend for people that want to learn whatever type of system is find something that is a simple explanation with which you can relate to, right? One of those explanations will be true. It can be true at the same time as something else is true. But as long as you continue down that path, you can keep digging and digging and digging and understand it more. Let me give you one example as to what, the, what I mean by that, because I, I realized that was abstract. When I started trading, I was like, how do I make money, right? Somebody teach me, experts, please tell me when it's going to go up or down and I'll short or I'll long. And I had in a chat room, three professional traders that were all very, very wealthy and they were all very successful. One guy that was a technical trader, he drew astrology charts on the, you know, <laughs> drawings on the charts and said, no, this thing's going to go up because that and shoulders, whatever. The other guy was a news trader, right? This was back in the day. He paid like $20,000 a month and he had this vibrating bracelet. And he would get the news, like the wire, 20 seconds before the actual news people would get it. So he'd run to his computer and he would make a trade. And then a third one who was an algorithmic trader. So he used like statistics and quantitative analysis. And so I said to the three, all right, all of you guys always competing with each other. Just tell me whether the stock's going to go up or down. And let's have the competition to see who's right. And so one day we decided on a Wednesday at two o'clock, which is when the Federal Reserve on certain Wednesdays, they announce news about the interest rate. It usually causes things to happen in the stocks said, all right, two o'clock, this thing's going to go on. And the three of them ahead of time said, this thing's going to go up to this value, then it's going to drop here. So I'm going to short it. Blah. The other guy said, you're crazy. I'm going to wait until my thing vibrates. And then if the, the interest is higher, then I'm going to buy. And if it's, and if it's whatever, then I'm going to sell. And then the third guy said, you guys are both dumb because if you look at the volatility component of this, as far as what we we're expecting in the average volume, blah, 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 we're going to stay within this range and I'm going to short into the, into the mean or long into the mean. And sure enough, two o'clock came across, across and all three of them had different trades. One of them was shorting. One of them was longing. And I don't know what the third guy was doing. All three of them made a ton of money okay. in front of me. Right. So I was like, all right, I give up. Right. I could have shorted. I couldn't have longed it. Like, I don't know what the hell is going on. And that's when I realized you can have multiple ways, and multiple approaches, but their conviction was so real for each of them. And they've learned this and they had trust in themselves and in the system that they were able to do it. So that would be my recommendation for people that want to learn is find something you're comfortable with. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, we're going to do one more question. So you may have mentioned this before. I was a little late to this, but can you tell us anything about the metaverse that you're building? Is it going to be like what you're sort of talking about right now? It's sort of easier to understand the finances behind how you make money in this world. So metaverse is still being defined, right? I can explain metaverse the way most of you guys will probably currently understand it. 
in this metaverse, most of the ones that I've seen are, are digital representations, right, with some caveats or differences of the real world. And that's how this interpretation is taking place. But it is so early on that it's not fair to say, now you're going to have a shopping mall in the metaverse. Probably you will, because that's the first thing that comes up to our minds. But there's going to be really smart people that are just now in high school or in middle school that are going to come up with something that's well outside of this whole, hey, I can understand a shopping mall. I can understand a video game. I can understand those two things being together. Somebody's going to come up with something crazy. And I don't know what that is. And so I don't know what that will turn into. But currently, the shopping mall works. Because what is the metaverse? You have a place where people congregate right? For X number of reasons. And they can actually interact meaningfully. And you can have full-blown economies there. So if you were to have a property in a metaverse with a lot of foot traffic, right? It's really easy to see how selling an ad on a wall where a lot of people walking by would make a lot of sense because that's currently what the model can allow us to do. If you want to put a little digital store, right? Or if you want to be able to, you can order your pizzas and actually get them physically at your house or buy your merchandise online. I can see how the people could make a living literally just in a separate space. It's a separate office. It's a different location. And I can understand how that's going to be the first iteration. But I do not think that's going to be what we're going to end up with. We're going to end up with something much more efficient, much more sophisticated, and much more fun. I love that answer. We don't know what we don't know and don't limit ourselves by what we do know, right? So awesome. You guys give it up for Wall Street Bets and for Edge of NFT. We interrupt the Edge of NFT podcast to reveal one of the best kept secrets in the NFT space right now, the Koi Network. If you are a creator or a builder or an investor in groundbreaking projects, you need to dive into Koi ASAP. Why? Imagine a new internet where each time your posts get viewed on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter, you earn rewards. Koi's revolutionary decentralized infrastructure scales this new internet to the whole globe, transforming attention into an asset and every creator into an earner, all without the expensive high-energy usage of old-school blockchains. Here is the best way to learn more and earn more by becoming a founding member of the growing Koi community. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Koi. That's edgeofnft.com slash K-O-I-I, two I's. There you can publish your first Koi NFTs for free and start earning Koi today. The new internet is coming. Don't you want to be valued on it? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Josh from Edge of NFT doing another little short interview with Teo here in beautiful Miami. Ayo and Teo, I bet. All right. Ayo and Teo, my apologies. <laughs> And uh, these are great guys I met on a nice yacht party, and they're really excited about the space, just like us. And so I wanted to just get some thoughts from them. So guys, let's just start with who you are and what got you sort of excited about the space and got you into it. Sure. Yo, it's Ayo. It's Tayo. We're multi platinum artists, and we're super, super viral dancers, originators on the web and beyond. We have over billions of streams of music and billions of views of dancing. I'm going to keep it at that. You can look us up all platforms. We're very excited for the NFT space. We've been, I ain't going to say fully involved, but we've been watching from a distance and very, very close at the same time. For and every And a lot of a lot of the things we've been doing is already, already been NFT. NFT yeah. <laughs> it's just time to capitalize on the NFT. Yeah, so you guys Art. have been like ahead of the curve in gaming too, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, we work close with space? Epic Games, 
Fortnite. We have four live emotes and, well, five live emotes because we created two slides for Drake, one of the biggest artists in the world right now. Y'all know who Drake is. Yeah, y'all know who Drake is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, everyone knows who Drake is. created Tusi Slide in our uh, living room, so we can create, make an NFT off of that. So that's what we're very excited off, like the whole intellectual property, knowing that you can own your own art, just of visual and anything that you can just jot on some paper, you can turn it to digitalize that people can either keep for the years to come and it's worth something just off the value of how important the art is. Just us dancing is very important. Just how many views and who we worked with. It's just like if Picasso was alive, I tell many people if Picasso was alive, he can sell his art for 40 mil right now because of the things that he would create. People would yeah. love it. Yeah, you mentioned dancing. I met a really cool dancer, Snap Boogie, in New York. At, and <laughs> we know Snap you, you know Snap Boogie? Yeah. He's going to come to our event in uh, LA NFT. So oh, wow. that's an example of a, a form of art that you can't necessarily monetize as easily without NFTs. It he was a, Snap Boogie's the first person yeah, that. Really uh, monetize that's crazy, bro, Snap Boogie, because he hit us recently. He want to involve us into bringing or making it come to life the first NFT, dancing NFT, because he's one of the first to yeah. do it. Yeah. It's a small world. A small yeah, world. he's going to come to LA NFT. That's crazy. He, he's a great guy. Yeah, so that right there is a, this is a verbal example of what's to come. Uh, how small, bring, of how small the world is. And the space is very small. You can run into anybody anytime. So I hope y'all are excited for the metaverse so we can meet each other there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like how we so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about it. I mean, you guys talked a little bit about what got you excited about the space. What are the mm -hmm. projects that you look at that you respect in the space? And what do you guys want to do next in the space? Give us a little about, bit of a sneak preview, you know? Yeah, we want to create NFTs. We are going to. We got, I personally know how to make 3D NFTs. And then off of Blender. Yeah, off of like Blender and stuff. That's just at home on the PCs. And then other than that, we're going to do like some dancing NFTs with bigger companies. We're going to do some like fashion NFTs, all of that. I, I just heard in the conference today they're doing NFT shoes, NFT clothes. Oh, for so sure. Whatever, yeah, whatever that's about to be like, we getting into that. Yeah, I've, we, seen, I've seen a lot, but the Space Chimps, everybody, like all the uh, camels, the goddamn board eight, <laughs> board apes, like all those NFTs, they're amazing. But it's time for some, like we wore masks before the pandemic. I can't wait for our NFTs, the AO and Tail NFTs, our characters, our little imagination. Yeah, I think the ability to integrate music, art, dance, and physical merch, it's right there. This is Web3. That's what it's all about. You guys are creators, and you have more tools in the toolkit now, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it, may, it brings freedom to everybody. That's the main key. that You heard, you heard that? And it's art. Everyone. It's art. It's everybody's art. Not just us, but the importance is knowing your own value and bringing your art to life. So everybody can enjoy it. Yes, sir. And they can be the first ones to grab it. <laughs> That's what's up. Well, guys, thank you so much. How can our listeners stay in touch and uh, follow your NFT and your non-NFT journeys? Hey, it's always A-O and T-A-O. A-Y-O-T-E-O. You can find us everywhere. Look out for us. FBR. Including the metaverse. Oh, yeah. FBR forever. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey there. Want to know which NFT mints are taking off? Would you like to know about them in real time while they're still taking off? What about tracking NFTs before they launch and seeing which ones are gathering a real Twitter following or boosting their discords? Which ones are hot and could take off like a rocket because so many people are excited for their launch? Mythia, a forthcoming NFT project themselves, have built both of these tools for you even before they've launched and it's free. 
just because they're cool like that. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Mythia to find out more. That's M-Y-T-H-I-A. Find out any upcoming NFTs, Discord and Twitter growth trajectory and which mints are happening in real time so you can jump on if you see them taking off. Go to edgeofnft.com slash Mythia to find out more. M-Y-T-H-I-A. Yes, it's free. I'm heading there now myself. Hey, everyone. My name is Ethan Janney, and I'm here with the Edge of NFT podcast at this very interesting space that's been designed by the Gutter Cat Gang here in Miami during Art Basel. Edge of NFT brings you the top 1% in, in NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. And here I am sitting with two folks that are deeply embedded in the gutter cat gang culture. I'm going to let them each introduce themselves and say a little bit about what their role is in all this. And then we'll get down to some very interesting questions about the metaverse and a sandbox and how all this is integrating into the future of NFTs. So um, let's, let's start here right to my left. Hey, guys, I'm Gutter Wang. I'm the community manager for Gutter Cat Gang. I'm basically, I serve as kind of the liaison between the community and the, you know, the founder and dev team and, you know, make sure everything runs smoothly in Discord, Twitter, that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm Voxel Blaze. I'm like the uh, correspondence for the Sandbox for the Gutter Cats, the partnership there. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. So we're building out Gutter City for everyone. And uh, I hope you have a mad time there. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Voxel Blaze, we had a little bit of a chance to talk beforehand. And it's really a fascinating story of how you got involved in all of this. Maybe uh, like, <laughs> it's the first thing that comes to mind, but it's not exactly describe it. Rags to riches story. But, you know, you kind of found yourself in a stuck situation and made the best of it, followed some interests, and life treated you in a fun and interesting way. So why don't you go a little bit over about how you got involved in the Gutter Cat Gang? Yeah, so the way I got involved in the Gutter basically was I was working in the sandbox earlier. COVID happened, and I kind of lost my job in hospitality, so I had nowhere to work. I had to find a way to make money found through the sandbox that I could actually make some money that way and then worked at it, worked at it. And then the gutter cat came along. It was my first PFE I minted and I made the voxel cat posted it up on Twitter. And from there, a whole bunch of stuff just happened and uh, partnered with the gang. Everything went crazy. I think the glitch in the metaverse game jam, we won that and won 150k sand with my team and we co-founded Blaze Games together. I'm going to interrupt you real quick because you just mentioned something that I think deserves a little bit of explaining. You know, you're getting involved in the Guttercat project. You had been working in crypto voxels and learning how to program in that space. And you said you won a, a grant of sorts, right? And just go into a little bit more detail about how you found that and who that came from and what that entailed. So the grant came from the sandbox. It was basically not so much a grant. We won the game jam and that funded our uh, company, Blaze Games, got it started up. All my uh, two other mates who had been kind of all working their normal jobs and then kind of were able to quit and go full time with Blaze Games. And the 150k stand yeah, came from coming first in the game jam and literally just trying to change our lives. And from there, it made us be able to go full time 24-7 on the sandbox and the Gutter Cat Gang and just develop for everyone here. And I love how, you know, we're seeing this over and over again in the NFT space, this story of people who are, are following their creativity, right? You know, you said you're working as a bartender, which I'm sure is, is, has its own fun and interesting world and probably gives you some very interesting inspiration for the gutter cat gang culture. But you really sat down and did something that you felt was creative and touched you and started to learn how to program within the crypto voxel space. And it turned into something really magical. So we're really all happy that you were able to do that and bring your creativity and share it with us. I'd like to talk a little bit with Gutter Wang here. You said you're in community management. 
And gosh, it's incredible what we're seeing in NFTs, like what, how important community management is. And also just over and over again, even outside of the Web3 space, being able to connect with the community is so important without making it too heavy. Like people are very skeptical. You got to give to the community. You got to make, help them understand that like these NFT projects are not money grabs and they're, you know, there's something that's orientated to the community. So a lot of respect for your role in all this, Gutter Wang. Can you tell us just a little bit about how you got into this project and became a community manager? Yeah. So I've been in crypto for almost 10 years now. I discovered crypto back in late 2013, early 2014. I found Bitcoin, started mining, and I've been in crypto in and out basically for the last 10 years. And I got very excited by NFTs when I started seeing them around in about January, February, hopped in, you know, Top Shot, Zed, all the different things, you know, kind of exploring the, the ecosystem. And then in early June, June 7th, I think it was, I found Gutter Cats, luckily. I wasn't a part of the team yet. They were minting that day. I managed to luckily mint one. And, you know, I, I really love the community, really resonated with the art. And, you know, something just stuck with me and I, I really wanted to be a part of it. So, you know, I offered my services to the team as a moderator. I had moderated for, you know, like Reddit forums and CSGO boards and stuff like that a while back. But it was really, really cool to kind of see how they let me in. And, and you know, I helped them kind of develop this early stage of the community back, you know, early June when we're just trying to get off the ground. And even when NFTs weren't even as big of a deal as they are now. And, you know, this was a month into apes and, and all that. So it was really kind of like a new frontier. And, you know, over that month, I worked as a moderator for them and helped them kind of grow and build the community. And at the end of June, I took on a full-time position as the community manager for the Gutter Cat Gang. Yeah, that's really interesting. And this is an aside that I don't think a lot of people are seeing that's, that I'm noticing from the NFT space is that people are getting involved in these communities and they're kind of just expressing their passion, right? Like, I love this project. I want to help this project. I want to do cool stuff. I want to manage the community. I want to participate. And they're finding they sort of work their way through the system in such a way that their value is recognized. And then it's not like you filled out a job application, right? which we all know is kind of BS in, in the end. You know, Big companies like Google are not hiring through job application, the traditional job application process, right? They're, they're going through a lot of non-traditional ways. And so I, I find this very interesting, this sort of model of getting involved, engaging, kind of proving your value. Maybe you're not even doing it intentionally and you kind of catch the attention of whoever's running things and, and become a part of the team. I love that. And I want to ask you maybe one question about expanding upon what you just talked about, and then we'll move a little bit further into this metaverse concept. This is really exciting. The gutter cat gangs like moved into sandbox and crypto voxels and doing very interesting things. But but first off, just was there a turning point in any of all of this? Has it been kind of for you, gutter wang? Like, was there a turning point in all this or has it been kind of full steam from the beginning? Did you see the commu- community grow or change in a specific way at a specific point? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. So for the first three or four weeks of the project, it was very close, tight-knit community. And this is, you know, in large part due to the fact that there's only 3,000 cats, which is, you know, very unique in the space. There's, at the time, it was all 10K projects. So it was definitely interesting to kind of have a more tight-knit community and a much more, you know, family, it almost felt like. So, you know, you'd see recognize the same people in the Discord every day. We'd always be talking, whatever, you know, hanging out, talking about sports or whatever alpha there was or you know, sharing uh, tips and tricks and all this stuff. And it was really, you know, we built kind of like this really close core family almost over the first three, four weeks. And then around the end of June, early July, we really started to, you know, take off and get a lot of new members in the gang. Even still, you know, it's, it's really amazing to see that this kind of sense of family has stayed. 
even as we've spread, you know, into thousands and thousands of owners. And, you know, I still, you know, like this is the first time I'm meeting Boxer Blaze in person today, but, you know, it's just, we have this like communal sense of belonging from the community. And, and you know, we just our friends, even, even though we've never met, we live, he lives in Australia and I'm from New York. It's, it's really crazy to think about. And I think this whole NFT profile picture, you know, Web3 Social Club craze or, or whatever you want to call it, it really, you know, has a way to connect people from all different types of backgrounds and all over the globe and kind of unite them under a common banner, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's that's great. And we'll be releasing this probably as part of the podcast. You know, so the listener won't be able to see. Like, I, I see this grin that emerges on Blaze's face when you mention all these things about hanging out at, you know, in the Discord and talking about sports and all these things. It's, it's really fascinating. And I was going to call it out, but you did it yourself. You live in completely different parts of the world. You know, yet you found you, you have this really joyful connection to each other. That's very cool. Let's move on into like what we're moving on into, right? We're moving on into the metaverse. We've seen that Facebook wants to own Meta. <laughs> I just met someone this morning who actually owns the Meta, <laughs> the Meta brand, and, and you know has an interesting way they're going to fight back on that. So you know, I'd love to hear your opinion, Blaze, on just like what it means to take this project and move it into a metaverse, right? Yes, give me your thoughts on that. So for me, I think it is the next frontier, basically. So we have it all in Discord right now, where it's kind of like it's really cool when we get to hang out, but having that 3D space where we actually can and do more. And then, like I said, there's going to be even more activities in the metaverse that we can all do together and earn money and all that, all those kind of things. And just a cool way to have community and do giveaways. And I just see it as this place where you see on YouTube all the time, say people like Mr. Beast or something like that, where they do something like I'm doing a Minecraft game and giving away this much money. And there's all these things away in the head and all these legal things you got to jump through. Whereas with the metaverse with Sandbox and things like that, it almost becomes non-compliant. You can just go do what you want to do on a decentralized platform and just work together with who you want to work with. And there's no red tape. Interesting. And, and can you just share with us a little bit about what you needed to learn in order to create the art that you have within the metaverse system? Yeah. So for, for me, it was kind of like I found the program quite early, got interested in the lands, I invested a bit of money, and I was like, I want to put some time and effort into this as well. And obviously because of the whole thing that happened with COVID. And just from there, I had to learn Vox Edit, which was basically just building the voxels and the voxel cats and all the avatars and the equipables and all the wearables like that. And our team at Blaze Games did an amazing job of all that. And the other part of it is the game maker where you have the world builder, where we actually build the world. And I remember the first trailer we did out for the Gutter Cat Gang, we had that thing and it just went crazy. Like, yeah, that was so good. It was just like the response we got from it and everyone saw it. It was just really heartwarming. You know what I mean? Like we actually see a future in this now. I can actually do this. I can see the plan coming to fruition. It was like me back maybe a year ago with this crazy idea, like, oh, what am I doing? And now it's actually here. I'm here in like Miami, halfway across the world from Australia. And I just have to point out like the contrast here, which I find kind of humorous, right? It's like, you're talking about things being heartwarming and we all know sort of like a tongue in cheek humor around the gutter cat gang. What's heartwarming? You know, you should be Video, video kind of voxel footage of like garbage fires and cats running down the alleys with like a chainsaw or something like that. But it's all like fun, right? And like, exactly. yeah. yeah, very cool stuff. Let's dive into this territory just because we should. Maybe some of the negatives we see in the metaverse territory. I'll throw in here, we can at least pick a straw man here that we all might might kind of have something, an opinion about Facebook, right? They bought VR goggle technology. And I actually heard the other day when they bought that technology, they promised like you wouldn't have to have a Facebook login to use it. And then of course it, it transitioned to that. 
there's actually quite a bit from my understanding, like with that technology, there's like eye tracking, you know, and who knows about where that data goes and all this stuff. But you may not be an expert on this, but I'm just curious, what are your thoughts and how do you feel about this? Like maybe eventually putting on some VR goggles and participating in this stuff and what that means for our sense of independence and decentralization. For me, I think it is basically the company you want to go with. So if it was, I'm being honest with you, if I saw it was Meta, I probably wouldn't go for it and I probably wouldn't do it just because it's a centralized platform and I don't trust Mark Zuckerberg (laughs) further than I can throw him. Yeah. And (laughs) with uh, someone like Sandbox, where it's more like uh, decentralized, they want to... So the biggest thing for me for Sandbox was they offered me when any artist that wanted to sign up to their art program... Literally, you get paid to make, they, they would pay you to make a voxel character. And also, you get 100% of all the rights of what that sells for later on. The only thing they take is like, a, I think, a 5% cut and it's kind of like a bank. They're almost like, they, will, they just want to be this decentralized platform where they kind of let you do what you want to do. And they just want to promote you that way. And I can just say that from my, like, my heart, basically, Seb and the team at the Sandbox and with the Gutter Cats as well. They're just, being so open every time I've gone to a thing it's always been like how can we make this work it's not being like what's the roadblock how do we get rid of it and how do we move forward and it's been amazing very cool and Gutter Gutter Wang any thoughts about us moving into the metaverse and and maybe some of the drawbacks of that obviously there's a lot of concern with um, centralized platforms like Facebook and you know these other big companies that are are trying to brand over like um, Square just branded as the block there's a lot of concern with, you know, them having too much power in, in, you know, a metaverse where we spend a lot of our time and where we live and where we interact and, and the data access that they'd have. So for me, at least, I'm looking at, you know, the metaverses that are open, that are permissionless, that, you know, are interoperable and that you're able to, you know, really do what you want, do it how you want. And there's not really a concern of, you know, data scraping or, you know, people, you know, selling your work and, and anything like that, you know. It needs to follow the same route as Ethereum and, and as uh, Bitcoin and as crypto in general and, you know, remain decentralized and, and, you know, interoperable to the point where you can build on top of it, because I think that's one of the best things about crypto. Cool. Thank you for that. So let's talk about VR and AR. I've actually, interest, it's been interesting at this point, maybe it's, it was interesting to me at first and now it's sort of like a, a no brainer. When I talk to AR people, they say, you know, AR is not VR. There's no reason to necessarily, I mean, there's a re- they sound similar. There's some similar technologies. They both can integrate with the blockchain, but AR is not VR because VR is its own virtual world and AR interacts with the real world. So I guess a, a question, let's talk to Blaze about this. First of all, is there anything going on with gutter cats in AR? And what is your understanding of VR versus AR? What are your thoughts about that? Uh, so my uh, thoughts with uh, VR and AR, I would personally say, I like VR more just because it's more immersive at the moment. AR is still a really cool technology. I can see AR being more of a thing where you wear glasses and you have maps everywhere. You can do whatever you want. Maybe there's something cool like ads. Maybe you don't have to have signs anymore because you have virtual signs that get linked straight into your glasses and you don't have to have that waste anymore that comes with building a sign and it's a bit more recyclable and eco-friendly. But also with VR in the sandbox, I know there's always plans to do that. They want to add it. It's going to be one of those big features that like if you want to do the full thing, put the goggles on and go in there. But with the data, it's kind of the same as the blockchain. If you wanted to see where the data was going, the way the sandbox runs it, you can open sourcely see where it goes. So if you if they kind of did steal it, you'd be like, hey, I know what you've done, and you get them straight away. Whereas somewhere like Meta with Facebook, you probably never ever see that data ever again. That's a very interesting point. Gutter Wang, any thoughts on AR? Yeah. So honestly, I'm 
kind of siding with Voxel Blaze here. I'm a big fan of VR. I think it's much more immersive, but there's definitely a place, you know, in the real world for AR and how you, we can interact with that, whether it be like Voxel Blaze was saying signs or, you know, even like when you're going shopping in the mirror, you can try on clothes in AR and how to see how they might fit on you, you know, stuff like that, where it kind of enhances, you know, your experience in the real world. I think there's definitely a big place for it. The technology is definitely not as advanced as VR as kind of we go into the next five, 10 years over developing the metaverse out and seeing what it holds. You know, I think VR and AR are both going to have really large places in the future. So you're, you're building within Sandbox, right? But there's other metaverses, right? I'd love to hear your thoughts about sort of competition and cooperation between various metaverses. As someone, Blaze, who's been exploring programming within one metaverse, have you thought about others and, and, and looking into that? I'll be honest, Sandbox kind of had me sold. I was a Sandbox boy from the beginning just because of the fact that the way I got introduced to do it, the way they helped me out, and I was able, just easily able to slot in there and actually become part of their team. They, like, the way my kind of workflow worked was I got hired as an artist for them, then I got hired as a cell leader for them. And then my, my role kind of evolved into this gutter cat partnership thing with Blaze Games. And then now I have this relationship with Seb, the CEO, and also Arthur as well, where it's a really close relationship. I can just message them on like Discord when I want. And I think it's a good promotion. Like one of the things we did recently was there was a game that we did for another game gen that came out. And to actually test play to earn, because it's actually not out there super, we wanted to do something out there where Seb gave us 10K sand, which is, I think, at today's evaluation, like 60 grand US. And we gave away, we made kind of like a, a Dark Souls game in the sandbox. We called it Rockfall, and that was made by Young Entio, a person in our, in our team. We all worked on it together, but he kind of mainlined that one. And the promotion for it was the first 10 people to beat it got 1,000 sand each. And a whole bunch of kids got ba- basically six grand US just for playing a game. And that wow. really helped them out. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, we're probably going to have to wrap up a little bit soon, but the, the next topic I'd like to cover is sort of what, what we're looking forward to in the future. And I'd like to hear from each of you. Maybe we'll start with Gutter Wang because you've got the mic right now. What are you looking forward to dreaming up for Gutter Cat Gang and your community? But also, like, what are you really excited about going on in just the, the general world of NFTs? I really love this whole like Web3 social club idea that's been kind of pioneered by the apes almost. And I'm really excited to kind of see how far, you know, both them and us, especially with the gang, can take it and kind of what we can do in terms of really building a community that's universal around the world and that's connected and really feels as one. So I'm really excited for the potential of, you know, IRL events like this, the metaverse, obviously, in the sandbox and House of Kiba that we're building. But also, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of NFTs burgeon out of this early stage that they're in where they're kind of you know, ignored by a large portion of the population or thought of as, you know, stupid even by a lot of people because they say, oh, I can right click, save it. So I think, you know, as we kind of develop out, like especially these Web3 social clubs with benefits, you know, that can't be right click, saved. I think that's going to be, you know, one of the first early use cases for NFTs. That's really, you know, the killer app almost. And I think that's going to, you know, drive a lot of innovation, a lot of attention into the space you know, where people are saying, okay, you know, they're actually cool. This is cool technology. What can we build with it? What can we do with it? How can we take advantage of this to the fullest extent? Cool. And how about, how about your thoughts, Blaze, on the future of uh, gutter cats and, and just the space in general? So my thoughts on the space is I, I, I said I got into NFTs maybe over a year ago now and it's just exploded. I just see it continuing to happen. I think mass adoption is going to come on board. And the fact that people will see that there's this community now where there aren't these, I guess, roadblocks that hold you back between each other. 
it's more just free reign. And the thing I'd probably say I'm the most excited for is when Sandbox fully launches with their play to earn, all the things that we'll be able to do to help out people in overseas, other overseas countries, the promotions we're able to do, the money we're able to give out, just the taste that I've had it at the start with the few promotions on at the start, even with the Gutter Cats, even their event we did at the Gutter Bar, we did with the Kibble Club. And it's kind of, this is a real life creation of that. And the giveaways there just been amazing to do because you see people toys and people are like, oh, I made say whatever amount it was from what we gave away, but it does affect people's lives. And a couple of hundred dollars or even a thousand dollars here or there is a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to wrap it up soon. It's been really special talking with you guys. Definitely, we'll take one or two more minutes here. Want you to share a little bit about where people can find out more about you and the Gutter Cat Gang, but also your specific projects and, and the things that you're working on. Where do you suggest people go, Blaze? So the, uh, the best place to go to is Blaze Games. So that's the, you, if you find Voxel Blaze, you'll find my profile, but Blaze Games is our mo profile. We post all our game stuff with the sandboxes. It's our co-founder company between me, Young NTO, Sandbox, and Atomic Vox, which are the co-founders of Blaze Games. And yeah, that's the best place to go to find any of the stuff we're working on. And if you want to partner with us, that's the same thing as well. Just give us a message. We're happy to talk to anyone. Excellent. Let's hand the mic over to Gutter Wang, where people find out more about what you're up to. Yeah. So you can find out more on our blog on our site at guttercatgang.com or on Twitter at guttercatgang. And you can join our Discord and we'll be happy to answer questions on anything you could want. You know, we love meeting new people who, you know, are interested in the gang and we're happy to, you know, help you guys out and, and kind of let you guys discover what we have to offer and what the future is looking like. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you both. This is a really magical world that has clearly been co-created by not just you guys, but like all the people that we're sitting with here in this space and even more that are around the world that couldn't even be here. So again, thanks again for sharing this time with us. And we look forward to what's coming in the future. That's it, guys. I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome, and then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We are unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drops, Spirit Seeds, leading to the Living Tree NFTs, which light the way to our event, NFT LA, a one-of-a-kind, immersive, and unforgettable experience at LA Live in Los Angeles, March 28th to the 30th, 2022. Check it out at nftla.live. And move quick on other tickets as they are selling out fast. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. Hey, real quick, check this out. For those true fans who pay close attention to Edge of NFT, we're experimenting with some fun new rewards. You can get a free POAP NFT. That's a proof of participation NFT from us by going to our Discord, edgeofnft.com Discord, and reaching engagement level 6 by January 31. Log on now and get started. Go to edgeofnft.com Discord. Jump in, have fun, learn something, and get your free POAP NFT. There's only 50. Also, if you're the first to get one, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.